Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet here at the intersection of faith and culture. And today and for the next couple of days, we're going to be talking about the response of the church to COVID-19. You guys have heard me talk about this for months and months. And uh, not too long ago, I received an, a publication from the Institute of Principal Studies. And I'm telling you what, you guys, I couldn't put it down. It was called COVID civil authority and the church. And so I reached out and said, Hey, could I get an interview with somebody at your, your organization? And they were gracious enough actually to send the president and founder of the Institute for Principal Studies to us. Mike Winther is going to be on the show with me today, and we're going to have a hard hitting conversation about the role of government in a pandemic. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Hey, you guys, you have probably heard by now that I am running for the United States House of Representatives to represent District 3 in Washington State. And I wanted to let you know that there are a couple ways that you can help us. First of all, follow me on all of my campaign social media platforms. You can find Heidi St. John for Congress at Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram. And of course, sign up to get on the mailing list at Heidi St. John for Congress. We are up against a very big second quarter fundraising deadline right now. And we need you to donate to the campaign. Every little bit helps. And so you guys have heard me say before, it takes a lot of money to run a campaign like this. And there's some very important things coming up. If you go to the website, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com, you can find out exactly how to donate. And I would so appreciate that. Also, you can volunteer. And we need volunteers from all over the country. We need prayer volunteers. And you can sign up to be on our prayer team at HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. You can complete the volunteer form there, and you can join my fight for the soul of America. Again, you guys, that website is HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. So thanks for listening today. You guys know that I am on the road speaking all over the United States. Two weekends ago, I was in Orlando. Then I had the privilege of coming up to the beautiful state of Illinois. And I did a, a convention there. Pretty soon I'll be heading to uh, Iowa. And I'm enjoying watching you guys coming out and saying hello and get an opportunity just to see what's going on. I have to, I'll be honest, you know, I'm on the road and, you know, there's a lot of things going on with relation to my run for Congress in Washington State's third congressional district. We're starting to see the really ugly side of politics. And I have been so blessed by the prayers of God's people out on the road. So I wanted to thank you guys for praying for our family, for just safety. There is an extraordinary peace over our family for this right now. I think it is just the grace of the Lord. And I don't think I know it's the grace of the Lord in a world that's really on its head right now. And uh, you guys are probably watching the news like I am. Really the tragedy that's unfolding in the government of Israel right now. Uh, So many things that the Bible tells us is going to happen. And so we don't need to be afraid. We need to be looking up. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited about my guest today is he has a firm grasp, not only on the issues of the day, but also on what's happening politically and what's happening biblically. And so I'm excited to introduce him today. This is my first time talking to Mike, but I can already tell in the few moments that we spent talking before the recording began, this is going to be a great interview. Mike Winther, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hi. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have you. You guys are really uh, tackling some difficult questions 
over at the Institute for Principal Studies. Can you give, because you guys are new to the show, can you give our listeners just a little bit of history, who you guys are and what is the Institute for Principal Studies? Yeah, we're a nonprofit organization and we exist to teach biblical principles of government and economics. And what we noticed was that the Bible says a lot about civil authority, civil government, how you order society. And the church, frankly, has been negligent in teaching these principles. And so we come along with the idea of uh, filling in, I guess, and try to fill in the cracks. And um, I guess our core goal is to ask one single question. And that one question is, what is the proper role of government? And so we exist to answer the question, what can government do? What can it not do? Uh, How do we define proper government? And we do this from a um, perspective of principles from the Bible. I love it. I mean, we're in a mess right now. You know, who could have imagined if you would have told me, you know, two years ago that a virus with a 99.89% survival rate would cripple our country and that tyrannical governors would begin issuing these tyrannical, unconstitutional, illegal, illogical lockdowns and that America would mandate the closure of millions of businesses. And over the last year and a half, it's been illegal for most of the country to go to work. Many, many, many of our churches, and I've said this on the show several times, I give them an F, D minus to an F for shutting down. The ones who have stayed closed, they get an F for sure. But the few churches that were allowed to meet were prohibited from singing. There were curfews that made it illegal to leave our homes at certain times of the day. And we are in an amazing, we got a problem in this nation. And when you sent out this booklet on COVID and civil authority and the role of the church, I was like, oh my word, shout this from the rooftop. Everybody needs to hear this. So let's start there because that really is the primary question. The question becomes, what is the role of government? We can talk about what the role of government is generally, and then what is the role of government in a pandemic and is it different? Yeah. And, and, you know, to piggyback on what you just said, the reason why we have such an issue with our rights and government authority in the COVID crisis is because as a society, and more particularly as a church, we had not defined the bright lines or the boundaries of proper government authority. And I, I think it's a little bit akin to um, uh, two teenagers on a date in the back seat of a car. Um, you know, if you have not predefined your boundaries, If you're trying to make decisions on the spur of the moment, uh, that becomes a very bad decision-making methodology. A good decision-making methodology is you decide in advance, I'm not going to be alone in a car with my girlfriend. Um, You you make those decisions ahead of time. Uh, But our society and the church had not really defined, uh, recently anyway, the proper role of civil government. And so now we get an anomaly or a new challenge comes along, and people have not thought about how this fits in a framework of the proper role of government. Um, If you look to scripture, which we do, and we try to look both at the principle and the practicality, but we want to put a strong emphasis on principles over practicality. And if you look biblically, there are really three roles assigned to the civil government. And I guess I should back up and remind everybody that, frankly, biblically, there are three governments that govern our lives. There is family government, there is church government, and there is civil government. And so three different governments that regulate our lives, our families, the church, and the civil state. And so the Bible outlines the proper responsibilities for each of those. 
we know what the family is supposed to do and what it's not supposed to do. We know from Scripture what the church is supposed to do and what it's not supposed to do. And we know, if we study correctly, what the civil magistrate or civil government is supposed to do. And the three proper roles of government outlined in the Bible, one is adjudication of disputes. This would be your civil court system where two business partners are arguing over a business contract or any other non-criminal civil dispute. We see Moses doing this in the Old Testament. This was a primary role of the judges. They judged cases between people and used the force of law to enforce those judgments. So adjudication of disputes is the first role. The second role is the protection of the citizen's rights. That is to punish the evildoer. We see this in Romans 13 as well as throughout Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Uh, the idea is you punish the rapist, you punish the murderer, you punish the thief. And by punishing these people, the idea is you uh, discourage those crimes, uh, protecting people's rights to life, liberty, and property. And so that's the second role of government is protection of the people's rights by punishing the evildoer. And then the third role of civil government is national defense, which is really just an extension of the second. Um, instead of protecting your rights from the local criminal, uh, you're protecting your rights from the invading army. And these are the three enumerated tasks for civil government. We do not see any biblical model for the civil government to um, guarantee housing for people or guarantee income stability or protect you from a, a virus or a plague. You know, these are not roles biblically assigned to the civil state. Wow. Well, we've we're we're way off in Never Never Land then. <laughs> because that's what that's what the government actually is doing right now. Guaranteed housing. You've got, you know, AOC and and all of her cronies up there yelling for free college and free health care and everything should be free because everything is supposed to be now given to us by the government. But this poses a massive problem, right? For citizens, when the government begins, we, we start to see the government as the person who provides for us. What do you see as some of the main problems in the government overstepping its bounds? And then I want to kind of go back. I wrote down these three proper roles of government. I kind of want to go back. But before we do that, when you see where we are right now and you're watching, you know, the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs of the world and crazy Nancy Pelosi in the House of in the House of the US Congress right now doing all the things they're doing, where is this taking us as a country and can we come back from the cliff? Well, in the direction it's taking us is toward a totalitarian state. When you take away the boundaries of government, at that point you are on the short road to a totalitarian condition where the government has all power and human liberty, human freedoms uh, are taken away. Uh, and, and this happened gradually in America. Uh, we accepted a little intrusion by allowing government to do this one little thing that was not a proper role of government. And then that was the impetus for the next little thing and the next little thing. And then pretty soon, it's a lot of little things. And then, of course, eventually it's a lot of big things. Uh, I mean, we saw this with passage of uh, some of the welfare programs during Franklin Roosevelt's administration. Um, we begin to see it in even more so in the Johnson administration, um, his war on poverty, and the idea that civil government's supposed to protect you from poverty. This is not a biblical role of government uh, on the principal side. On the practical side, good economists will tell you that the war on poverty has actually increased the amount of poverty. And there's economic reasons for that, which that's probably a whole other program in and of itself. But the shorthand version is that when you break God's law, 
You cannot expect to break God's principles and have it work out in a practical manner. God's principles are both principled and practical. And when you violate God's ways of taking care of the poor, instead of having less poverty, you have more poverty. Mm, it's true. And I guess you could go, you know, back to, and let's do that for a moment. The church has really failed. I mean, we have fallen flat on our face in our, um, in our misunderstanding of the quote, separation of church and state. The church has decided, oh, we don't speak to these issues. So, you know, these are issues that, that are left to the government and the church stays in its lane and the government stays in its lane. But what we've noticed is the government absolutely in the so-called lane of the church. And I wonder what would have happened if for the last four or five generations, instead of moving farther and farther away from government, the church would have taught the proper role of government from the pulpit. Do you think that that would have changed? And is there a way for us to kind of move back to that again? What would that look like? Yeah, no question. I I think the heart of our modern problems in America lie at the feet of the church. And just to be clear, when I say the church, I think when you say the church, we're talking about the body of Christianity as a whole. Uh, the big That's right, because, you know, the, the things where we might criticize the church as a whole, that does not mean every individual body of believers is guilty of, of those things. But as a whole, uh, the church retreated from issues of science. When Darwinism uh, kind of took hold in the late 1800s, uh, the church didn't know how to respond. And so they just retreated from the issues of science. And then as government issues came along, the church again retreated. And part of it is we have well-meaning pastors who've never been trained in what the Bible says about civil government. Uh, Our seminaries were taken over by people who thought that uh, the church ought not be involved. And, And the truth of the matter is there are and should be three distinctly separate institutions. Uh, The church, the family, and the civil government are separate institutions. But what we find is all three of those institutions are to be instructed by Scripture. Well, who is the main repository of biblical and scriptural teaching? It should be the church. And so the church should be instructing. Uh, It's interesting in the Old Testament, uh, when the kings came to power, generally it was um, one of the priests or the prophet who instructed the leaders on their proper role. When Saul was made king, he is instructed by Samuel on the duties and responsibilities of the kingship. Uh, We see this with the judges. We see it with the kings. It was the church officials, be they priests or prophet, who instructed the civil officials on their proper duties. Uh, And that's because it is scripture that defines those, those duties. So the priest is not doing the job of the civil government, but the priest is directing the civil leader as to what is proper behavior and what's improper. Wait, so what you're saying is that the Bible is relevant. <laughs> yeah, amazing, so, isn't it? <laughs> what, yeah, it's amazing. You know, so what you're saying is that that the Bible is relevant to the issues that we're facing right now. And I've been saying, you know, even in uh, as I've been running for the U.S. House of Representatives to say, listen, you know, 90% of the issues that we're dealing with right now in civil government are moral at their root, and the Bible addresses them. And we know, because this is what God's word says, that when the wicked are in power, the people groan, you know, and there's a lot of groaning happening right now, not only in the United States, but around the world as we move farther and farther away. I think it's also interesting, you know, the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. 
And as we move away from the principles of God's word and move away from the foundations which this nation was built upon, we're watching our freedom go right along with it. Yeah, no question about it. And I think the church, back to the second part of your question, what can we do about that? Um, I think the first part is it needs to be led by Christians. Christians need to lead the movement back towards truth, uh, the movement back towards a well-defined role for all three institutions. We need to define carefully the role of the family. Uh, We need to carefully define the role of the church. And we need to carefully define the role of the civil government. And that means for a lot of church leaders, they may need to humble themselves and say, ooh, I don't know these principles, and they should seek them out. Because until our leaders learn these principles, we're not going to teach them to people in the pews. No. And that's going to have to come, you're right. I mean, it's it's going to take courage. And I have been saying for many, many months, you know, the real pandemic that we're facing right now is not a virus with a 99.89% survival rate. It's a crisis of courage. And we have a crisis of courage in the government. We have a crisis of courage in, uh, certainly in the church. We have a crisis of courage in Christian leadership of people who have said, oh no, we're just going to wash our hands of that. A lot of pastors will say, well, we can't speak to those things because of our 501c3. What say you? Well, um, first of all, uh, I'm not a fan of the 501c3 provision. Me either. Um, (laughs) But uh, having said that, churches have way more liberty than they think they have. When we founded the Institute for Principal Studies, um, goodness, what, 17 years ago, we wrestled with how we should structure the organization. Should we be a corporation? Should we not be a corporation? Should we be a nonprofit? Not a nonprofit. And after much debate and discussion and research, we decided that we would form our organization as a 501c3. Most charities and most churches are uh, incorporated under that section of federal law. And the logic for us was we wanted our donors to be able to donate money and get a tax deduction for it. Uh, We felt that we could make better use of the money than the government could. We recognized there were some restrictions, but here are the only restrictions in having a 501c3. As a 501c3, and this would be true of any church in America that has that that, uh, method of founding, you are not allowed to endorse a candidate for political office. You are not allowed to contribute money to a political party or a candidate. That is really the only limitations you have. You know, we go around the country teaching good government, good economics from a biblical perspective. We're a 501c3. Anything that we teach, a church can legally teach. And when we found our organization, uh, we were clear that we did not see ourselves endorsing candidates. Our goal was to teach people good principles and then let them decide who to vote for. Uh, We were not planning on giving any of our donors money to political candidates. That was all going to go to our educational efforts. And so there was no part of the 501c3 that was an impairment to what we wanted to do. Um, So we are incorporated under that provision, and we have a lot of, of liberty. Now, we've resolved at any point if they tighten that up, and we are not able to do what we want to do, because of that limitation, we agreed at the founding that we would just disband the organization and start a new one. They did not have those limitations. Well, and this is a really good, there are a lot of pastors and church going people that listen to this who need to take this message to their pastors and say, you know, you can actually talk about what's happening in our government from the pulpit. 
You can talk about what what is happening. You can talk about the right and the wrong of it. You can certainly make biblical application. There are lots of things that you can do without endorsing or contributing money to specific candidates, including allowing a candidate to come and speak at your church. You can allow them to come and speak without endorsing them, correct? That's right. That's exactly right. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is a small movement, but an important movement, of churches who are renouncing their 501c3 status. Uh, the, the denomination that my church uh, is part of had several uh, denomination-wide meetings on this topic, and the decision of the denomination was to encourage their local churches to renounce their 501c3 just to remove any concern about these issues, you know, to free up the church to speak. Um, and I applaud those efforts as well. But whether your church is bold enough to give up your 501c3 or not, that's not the big issue. The big issue is, are you bold enough to speak the truth? Mm. And that's and that's really what's in the crosshairs right now. Truth is in the crosshairs. Uh, we're, and we're talking about things, everything from, you know, can men become women to uh, what is the role of the church? Can Does the church even have a role in civil government? But the Bible teaches us that it does. And when the church doesn't do what God designed it to do, we see that the net result is chaos, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, the root determines the fruit. And boy, our roots have been decaying for a long time. And, and the roots were decaying before we saw the effect on the overall plant. I hope you guys have been enjoying this conversation with Mike Winther from the Institute for Principal Studies. Wow, you guys. I mean, this is amazing. You know, we've been talking about how as the church has retreated, the country has regressed and why it's so important for the church to get involved. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about really specifically diving into what is the role of government. We talked about it a little bit. The government has three basic things that it's it should be doing, and we have egregiously overstepped those bounds. And so I hope you guys will come back. Please share this podcast with everybody that you know. People need to hear why we're in the mess that we're in. And then uh, I will, I'm going to record again with him and we're going to air another episode, another segment of this. It's going to air at America's town hall and we'll give you more information about that. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.